following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
you know I am scorned, disgraced, shamed. All of my enemies are before me. Scorn has broken my heart and has left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. For comforters, but I found none. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. Psalm 69, describing how Jesus felt. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Gethsemane. Gethsemane. I walked up out of the old town of Jerusalem to the Mount of Olives. And there was the Garden of Gethsemane. I went in, and I knelt in that garden, and I prayed to Jesus. With tears streaming down my face, I thanked him for what he did in that garden. He made a decision in that garden, one of the most difficult decisions any person could possibly make. Gethsemane is a place. It's real. I saw there the the olive trees that were there when Jesus knelt with blood popping out on his forehead like sweat. The disciples some distance away are all sound asleep. A sleep brought on by sorrow and exhaustion. Angels of God had to come, according to Luke twenty-two thirty-nine. Angels of God had to come and strengthen him or he would have died in that garden of Gethsemane. As he prayed through, the great trial he was now to face. Gethsemane means something. It literally means the crushing stone. Gethsemane was an, a garden, yes. It was an olive grove, yes. But more specifically, it was a place where the olives were brought, placed in burlap bags stacked one on top of another, and then a great stone was lifted up and slowly lowered on those bags, and it crushed them, and the olive oil flowed out and was caught in a basin. Gethsemane means the stone, the crushing stone. Now Jesus has come, and he is in deep, deep distress, so much so that the distress could cause him to lose his life. When they arrive in Gethsemane, where they had often been before to pray, 
even to sleep through the night. He said to the disciples in the book of Mark, chapter 14, sit here while while I pray. And then he took Peter and James and John with him. But soon he had them also positioned to pray. And he was deeply distressed and troubled. Verse 34, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here. Keep watch. And going a little further, he fell to the ground, and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Now in this place of crushing, Jesus is in deep distress. Jesus is being sent on a course that will separate him from his Father. That crushes his heart. He does not know for certain that his atonement will be received and accepted. He has walked faithfully before the Father in heaven. He has spoken only what the Father gave him. He has done only what the Father has directed him to do. But now that intimate, close bond is broken. And now he must face alone the trial of being crucified, of being executed as a criminal, and the shame. He must now take upon himself the sin of humanity and make atonement in such a manner that the provision is there for every man and every woman to be washed and made clean for the sin to be forgiven that they could be at one with the Father. He's being sent on a course that is crushing his heart. He cannot bear the breaking of that intimate connection with the Father. And so he he begs the Father, Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. I've looked at this passage of Scripture And somehow, I recognize that we have been able to leave the presence of the Father with with casual ease, with no pain. We have lived the way of the world. We've lived separate from the Father, from Jesus, from the Holy Spirit. Jesus was crushed by the loss of intimacy with his Father. But what crushes us today? The loss of a job? 
the loss the loss of money our health our security being threatened family and friends rejecting us turning away from us shaming us what crushes us today is when we can't live the lifestyle we think we should be accustomed to and we feel shame feel crushed and cut off what I want you to begin to catch today is that Jesus was being utterly crushed to the point of dying not because his brothers rejected him not because the priests and the rabbis scorned him and wanted to kill him. He was being crushed because that intimate connection with the Father was being broken. And so he goes before God and he he cries out, Have you been taken to your limit with God? Have you been shamed by your sin? Have you been shamed by what you've said or done? And people look at you with suspicion and hardness of heart and certain that you have not repented and have not become a new person. What crushes you today? Your loss of reputation? Your family and friends turning aside from you? Your loss of a job? Is that what crushes you today? Well, what is your limit with God? How far will you go with God? Jesus reaches his absolute limit with God. And he says, not your will, but my, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. Your will, Father, is my will. I want what you want. Whatever that is, Lord, I want in my life what you want in my life. See, God will take you. He'll take each one of us to our limit. When we reach that limit, how do we respond? Jesus responded with tears, with cries to the Father. Jesus responded by falling on his face in the Garden of Gethsemane and praying loud cries. Jesus responded when he came to the limit with God to say, I will trust you. 
and I will obey you. Jesus was taken to the utter limit of his own strength and his own ability, so much so that he would have died had the Father not sent angels to strengthen him physically and emotionally. Jesus responded with obedience. What is our response? Usually when we come to the end of our limit, we want to sleep. We want to escape. We want to run. We're exhausted. We become discouraged, angry, depressed. We have to find some way to turn aside what's happening in our life. And many times we just endure. We put up with it. It's hopeless. So we move into this low level of utter depression. Our personality becomes flat. We're hopeless and helpless. And we just survive. Sometimes turn to utter silliness and foolishness and become the clown. Because if we're not clowning, we'll weep. That's what happens in the human heart when we've come to the end, when we've come to our limit. We can't stand another day living in this situation. That was not Jesus' response. Jesus' response was, yes, tears because it hurt. Then it was submission. It was saying, Jesus, you rule. Father, you rule. That's what Jesus said. Father, you rule. We must come to a point in our lives where we no longer run. We will be brought to the utter limit of our ability to the point of death. And in that place, we must say, through the tears, Lord, I trust you. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I will obey you. I will not accuse you and I will not leave you. I will stand though the heavens fall. Though I die, I will trust you. So Jesus' response was to cry out in prayer. Now, in Scripture, we find many instances of the great men and women of God being brought to their utter limit. When you look at the story of Job, he suffered so immensely with the loss of his finances, the loss of his children's lives, They all died in one day. The loss of his health until he sat by the fire and scraped the boils that burst out all over his body, trying to gain some relief from the pus and the stench of his body that was dying. 
He tried to understand what was happening. He couldn't. He tried to understand why God was allowing this in his life. He did not accuse God. He said, I will not accuse God. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And yes, finally God came and said, Who is this that contends with me? And he asks him a whole series of questions. And finally, finally, Job says, Woe is me, I am undone. God brings us to the end of ourselves so that we will be undone and so that we will know and recognize the reality that God rules, that he is supreme. Job came to that, and then all was restored. Elijah, after his great Carmel experience, now he flees before the wicked Jezebel. And as he's run miles out into that desert, he lays down under a broom tree. And he says, I'm no better than my ancestors. Please, Father, get me out of here. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm at the limit. The Lord sends an angel twice to feed him, to strengthen him, and he moves on. But where is he going? Oh, this is so key. Where is Elijah going? He is running, not not to Joppa. Elijah is running to the mountain of God. When he reached his limit, he said, I've got to get to God. I've got to reach the Lord. I've got to go to the mountain of God. And there God speaks with him. And he endows him with incredible power. Gives him an assignment of what he's to do. And Elijah expects that he's going to be removed quickly. Took 20 years. And then God sent the chariot of heaven down to pick him up. So Elijah was pressed to his limit with God. And he ran to the mountain of God. Think of Moses. Moses is out in the desert. He is at his limit with God. He's spent 40 years in the wilderness taking care of sheep, a dirty business, a stinky business. He doesn't have anything to his name. This great Moses who was educated in the highest learning center of the age in Egypt. He's now a fugitive from Pharaoh's court. And he herds sheep. And he's at his limit with God. And now God comes in the burning bush. 
Moses, I have an assignment for you. Go back to Egypt and deliver my people. Well, he's already tried that one time, and it resulted in his being driven out and spending 40 years in the wilderness taking care of sheep snot. He has no desire to go back and perform this work that God is calling him to. And God says, I'll go with you. Yeah, right. He doesn't believe God. Moses is in such a hard place. Just leave me out there to herd my little herd of sheep for my father-in-law. I can't speak anymore. I can't even talk right anymore. I've been too long in the desert, too long with sheep. The Lord sends him back to Egypt. And then time after time, in the service of God, Moses comes to his absolute end, where he lifts up his hands to God and says, I can't do this. I can't bear this. It's too hard. The Lord strengthens him and says, keep going. I know there are some of you listening to this broadcast today who are at your absolute end with God. I can tell you now, don't give up. But turn as Jesus did. Respond as Jesus did with with tears before the Father. With submission. Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll give whatever you ask me to give. I'll go wherever you ask me to go. Father, I'm yours. Jesus, I belong to you. And pray. Stand on the promises. Believe them. Trust in Jesus. And obey him. Being at the absolute end does not give you an excuse to accuse God or to turn aside from him. There is no deliverance except in the blood of Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can deliver you from your situation. You can fuss and holler. You can be upset. You can fight with your husband or your wife. You can do all kinds of craziness. None of it will bring you deliverance. Jesus alone is our deliverer. And it is by his blood that we are delivered. So you might be right in the middle of it today. And you might have been right in the middle of it for months or years. And you're saying, when will I be delivered? Wrong question. Right question? Father, will you deliver me? Will you rescue me? But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, have your way in my life. And then obey. Don't stop doing what he's called you to do.
Don't turn aside. Don't turn aside from God and don't turn aside from the task he's placed before you. Trust him. Rejoice in him. Know that in the midst of the anguish and the pain, Jesus sees it all. And he will deliver you. I can't tell you when. Maybe not until you've gone through the cross. And then he'll resurrect you. Trust him. Some of you are saying, I don't know what to do, Pastor. You know, this and this and this and this, and you've got a whole... Trust Jesus. Submit to him. Pray. Don't go out on your own and try to figure out what you're going to do. Pray. Ask him to direct your steps. Ask him to deliver you. You know, the greatest joy of my heart is that without my doing anything except praying and crying out to Jesus and obeying him and doing what he tells me to do, time after time after time, I've been completely delivered. I've not been on a pastoral salary for more than 30 years. How have I been sustained? By Jesus, by his miraculous intervention, time after time after time, by the miraculous hand of Jesus who delivers me. Hasn't been easy. It's not easy now. I'm facing the bill. Already I'm praying about the radio bill for the month of March. And here we are just really in the first days of March. But I know that March is a very long month. And I know it's going to be almost $4,000. How am I going to pay that? I can't pay it. And so, yes, I'm in the prayer closet with tears, crying out to Jesus praying, trusting him, submitting, and coming to do this radio broadcast, bearing the burden of the finances. I'm obeying. And then you know what Jesus does? (laughs) Jesus moves in your hearts. And you respond, and you send $10. A thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars. You respond and you you give of your tithes and your offerings, and at the end of the month the money is all there. The money is now all in the account for last month's radio bill. I'm ready to send the check this afternoon. It's all been given. I didn't do it. I had no ability to do it. But God moved in the hearts of his precious people. And they said, this has to continue. We want this pastor on the air. Thank you, Jesus. You heard my cry. There are other areas in my life that I'm also dealing with severe crisis. 
I'm praying. I'm crying out to Jesus. And then some of you call and you say, Would you pray? Yes. And so I go in the prayer closet and I name you by name. And I lift you up before the Lord and I cry out for you in the prayer closet until the Lord gets comfort in my heart, says, I've heard your prayer. I've heard your prayer for them, Ray. I pray for a man. I text him and I say, I prayed for your deliverance today and he promised me it was done. And later I hear total deliverance. God heard my prayer. He heard others as well. He heard that person's prayer. But it comforts my heart. God heard my prayer for them. You see, it's a choice. How are we going to respond when we've come to the end of our limit? And Moses was brought to the utter end of his limit when he struck the rock, not knowing that it was Jesus he was striking. He would never have struck Jesus, but he struck that rock in disobedience. And so the word was, you cannot enter the promised land. Talk about a crushing of his heart. He climbed that mountain. God let him see supernaturally the whole land of Israel. He's in full strength. His eyes are perfectly clear. But the Lord says, lay down here. Your life is over. He lays down. I don't know how long he lay there. But knowing the story of Moses, I am guessing, no, I know that while Moses lay there waiting for the last breath of his body, he was praising the Father above. He was worshiping. He had already repented for his sin. And now he was at the utter end of his life. And all he could say was, I submit to you, Father. I trust you. I will obey you. He takes his last breath and he's gone. And we're told in Scripture that an angel came. And the devil disputed with him and said, You can't take Moses to heaven. He belongs to me. He sinned against God. Oh no, the blood. The blood washed him clean. And he was taken to heaven. Can you imagine the reunion between the, incar the Christ who was not yet incarnate? Can you imagine the reunion between Jesus and Moses in heaven. And then Abraham. 
Look at Abraham. He was brought to the end of his limit, and what did he do? He headed to Egypt. He gave his wife away to Pharaoh. He failed. Oh, but then again in his life, he was brought to the end of himself, and he's told to offer your son, your your only son, Isaac, offer him as a burnt offering. And what does Abraham do? He puts his son on the altar. He submits. He reasons in his mind, according to the book of Romans, this is the son of promise. Therefore, if I offer him on the altar a burnt offering, Jesus will, or the God of heaven, will have to resurrect him. It was Jesus who would resurrect him. But the angel comes, the voice of the Lord comes and says, stay your hand, don't touch the young man. And in the bushes, there's a ram caught by the horns, placed there by God. And Moses offers it as a burnt offering. Now today, you may be at the utter limit, at the end. Don't give up. Instead, respond as Jesus responded. Respond as Jesus responded. With tears, if the pain is that great. Submission, prayers, trust, and obedience. Do not give way to sleep and running and depression and anger. Don't do that. Now Jesus returned to his disciples after he had prayed, Abba, Father. He said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but you, but what you will. Do what your will is. And then he returned to his disciples, and he found them sound asleep. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Even now, he is not asking them to comfort him. He is trying to protect them from the enemy. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Pray, cry out to God. Then once more he went back, and he prayed again the same prayer. Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Father, your will be done, not my will. Comes back to them three times. They're sleeping. And finally he says, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. 
Look, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. I'll tell you. I believe Jesus walked out of that Garden of Gethsemane to his betrayer with the light and glory of God all over his face, so much so that they all fell down. They couldn't stand in his presence. God will take you to your absolute limit where you can't go any further. And in that place, the presence and power of God will come upon you. But you must decide, will you give way to the flesh or will you respond as Jesus responded? Some of you are so discouraged because people are against you. You've been shamed. Perhaps even because of your own sin, you've been shamed. But I'm telling you, in Jesus Christ, there is no shame. We are delivered from shame. We are washed and made clean. I want to read this passage of Scripture. It makes my heart rejoice. It's found in Romans, the 8th chapter. I'll begin with verse 15. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm speaking the truth to you today. I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I know today that you may be at your limit and you want to give up. I want to tell you, don't give up. It's always the darkest just before the dawn. The deliverance of God is coming in your life. Now, I don't know if that deliverance is going to be death under resurrection. I don't know if the Lord is going to come with miraculous power today and give you the job you need. I don't know if God is going to come and rescue you today, but I can tell you, your sins have been forgiven. If you have confessed your sin before God, if you have repented and you are walking clean, your sins are removed from you and you are forgiven 
You no longer need to walk in shame or sorrow about the past. I tell you today, I've been struggling with shame. Pastor, how are you struggling with shame? I've been struggling with shame because of how little I've been able to do for Jesus. I'm struggling with with shame. I have been with the lack of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and Pentecost power. I've been struggling with shame because of all of the foolish mistakes I've made and the and the wicked things that I've allowed myself to do in my sorrow, in my downcast despair. I'm not anymore. The Lord has forgiven me. I don't need to run. I don't need to be depressed. I don't need to be angry. I don't need to escape. I can stand though the heavens fall and in that place weep before God for the work of the gospel in this city. I can submit to him regardless of what he wants to do, either to be on this radio broadcast or to be taken off. It's okay. Whatever the Father wants, I want in my life. So I'm praying. I'm praying for me and I'm praying for you that we would stand though the heavens fall and trust Jesus to deliver us. And I'm obeying him. I'm speaking day by day what he puts in my heart. I'm speaking day by day the word of the living God, straight, unvarnished, clean and clear. I'm calling you to walk. I know I cannot be loved by the world and by Jesus. I know I have to pray. I know I have to stand. I want to pray for you. Lord, I've spent much time in these last weeks in the prayer closet crying out to you and asking for total deliverance, for the work of the gospel to go forward in this great city, for revival to break out. And Lord, people have said to me, the society is so wicked and so secular, nothing's going to happen here, Pastor. But, Lord, you said something different. You said you would bring revival to Washington. Lord, I'm not going to vary. I'm not going to turn. I'm going to stand by faith. Though the heavens fall, I am going to stand by faith that you will redeem this city, this wicked city, this city divided by race, by money, by power, this city divided with capitalism and socialism, with progressives and conservatives. Lord, this city is so broken 
and so angry and so divided. But you have said to me, I am going to redeem Washington, D.C. Lord, I stand by faith for that revival now. And Lord, men and women are listening to this broadcast who are so caught in all of the foolishness of their sin and all of the questions of their heart. Almighty God, would you come? Would you settle everything in your mighty name? Would you once more come into this city and bring the great news of the gospel? that we can be washed clean of our sin and we can walk clean before you without sin, that we can be redeemed and set free. Lord, I pray for each person listening that you will send your spirit to them now to encourage them. The broken, the contrite, the ones who are at the end of their limit, Lord, would you hear my prayer today for them and would you deliver them? Would you deliver them? Would you bring to them what they need for their sustenance for daily life? Would you bring for them the business they need? Would you provide for them in the spirit realm all that is necessary that they would not perish? Lord, thank you. I ask now for the breaking out of your Holy Spirit on this radio broadcast in each listener's heart. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, we're just about out of time for today's broadcast. Just a quick note. If you want to send a donation to help cover the cost of radio, you'll need to do that by mail today the button has somehow disappeared on our web page and our IT person who's a volunteer will get that reestablished quickly but right now you can't give online hopefully tomorrow you will be able to but you can write to me today at the National Prayer Chapel Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia Two two one nine five. Again, it's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box twenty three forty six, Woodbridge, Virginia, two two one nine five. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel. I know in the spirit that some of you need to come. I know you need to come and get right with Jesus. And you need brothers and sisters who will pray for you and who will stand with you as you are at the utter end of your own ability. If you'd like to come, call me for directions. 703-489-1785. That's 703-489-1785. Again, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel. I'd love to hear from you. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you. I love you. Great joy. Now unto him who is able to 
you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy with great Jesus.